I'm Brett Fish, and this is Out of the Fishbowl Season 3. We've recently hit 2,500 downloads, and so if you are a repeat listener, thank you so much for showing up. And if you've never listened to me before, it might actually be a good idea to hit pause and to go and catch up on the first two seasons. Not because you necessarily need to have heard that stuff, but because I'm super excited this season to be partnered with my mate Jeremy Curries and Exilic Music. And the hope is that we are going to bring you much better quality recording and production. And so I'm super stoked about that. And so if you listen to these coming episodes and then afterwards go and catch up on some of the old ones that I recorded in my lounge, you might be disappointed somewhat in the extreme drop of quality. So how do you begin a new season? Season one, we started with pineapple on pizza, that controversial question that divides the internet. Do you have pineapple on pizza or are you a normal human being or whatever your take is on it? We talked about man buns. We touched on Crocs and that whole big dynamic question, what to do if your best friend is a Chelsea supporter and you're not. And then with season two, we went straight for the jugular in episode one. What is the worst thing that you ever did? And I made some startling confessions and I asked you to stand in front of the mirror and kind of make your own confessions and just reflect on some of the worst things that you've ever done. And we looked at answering this question, should I be defined by the worst thing that I ever did? And should I be defined by the best thing that I ever did? So how do you raise the stakes for the defining landing episode one of season three? How do you, how do you even do that? And so I thought curiosity and you're thinking curiosity, that's really not such a big deal. And you're probably thinking that because you're not a cat, right? Because you remember how that old saying goes about cats and curiosity that you can, um, lead a cat to curiosity, but, uh, you can't make it stay alive or something like that. But, but I want to challenge that notion, right? Cause cats are said to have nine lives and yet curiosity killed the cat. And so it must have been some kind of hugely destructive or maybe even constructive. We're going to look at that force, which is why I thought it is the perfect topic to start us off in season three with an episode that I like to call episode one, killing cat. And so curiosity, there are some incredible things that have been said about curiosity. Einstein said, the mind that opens to a new idea never returns to its original size. Aaron Swartz said, be curious, read widely, try new things. What people call intelligence just boils down to curiosity. S. Leonard Rubinstein said, Curiosity is a willing, a proud, and eager confession of ignorance. Danielle Laporta, If knowledge is power, then curiosity is the muscle. And then Plutarch said, The mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. And so curiosity may seem random, but I feel like it can be such a potentially life-giving, transformational piece that can influence journeys into areas such as race, religion, politics, gender, all of these topics that are often quite confusing and complicated. If, if we approach them 
from the framework of curiosity, then I think we are actually going to find some really exciting things. I had a friend that I, I'm now good friends with, my, my mate Sean DeToy. But when I met him, it was on a camp that he was speaking on. I went on the camp to do a workshop and he sat and listened to the workshop. And then he did the strangest, maybe most dangerous thing that he's possibly ever done in his life. He invited me to come and preach at his church. And, and Sean and I are quite different. We, we are very passionate about a lot of the same things, but I approach my faith very differently to him. And yet, knowing that I thought quite differently to him, he was secure in his space to be able to invite me to come and speak in it. And that, that kind of story for me, I think maybe that's the basis of why we have such a good friendship, that, that even though we think differently on, on various things, we, we know that the heart of each other is, is kind of pointed in the same direction. And so there's that, that trust level, that level of curiosity of, of I'm interested to see what you're going to say to my people in my space. And so a friendship kind of grew out of that. Another, another story that, that, that makes me think of curiosity is me and strawberries. I hated strawberries growing up until one day this revolutionary thing happened. I ate one. And, and that sounds ridiculous, right? So I don't even know where it came from, but, but I grew up believing that I hated strawberries and I, I just never had strawberries. And, and then I can't even remember why I had one, but, but somebody was have a strawberry and I tasted one and I was like, oh, that's actually really good. And so the sense of, of, of this belief that I'd held so tightly and then one day curiosity kind of entered and it was like, well, well, let's see. And it was like, oh, maybe I've never tried this thing before. Somewhere I was influenced into thinking I didn't like this thing. And curiosity was actually the thing that released me from it. Let me try it. And this next one I know is going to really just hurt some of you. But sugar... Stick with me on this one. Lean into your curiosity. Sugar and tomato sauce on French toast. Disgusting, right? Like sugar and tomato sauce on French toast. Somebody told me about that. I thought it was disgusting. And there is really only one way to find out. And now it is something like 20 years later. Last week, I made myself French toast. And guess what I put on it? Because And it kind of came up or brought me to this point of having the saying, don't mock it till you've tried it. And there's certain things in life we can mock without trying, for sure. Looking at you, man buns. Um, but, but, but there are other things that actually, especially when it comes to foods, things might seem weird, but, but the weirdest thing, for some reason, the opposite of it is carrot cake, I think, because I love carrots and I love cake. But if you put them together, for me, it is one of the most vile substances known to man. But, but this weird thing is that you put tomato sauce and sugar on French toast, it tastes amazing. Not for everyone. You might try it and still think it's disgusting. That's okay. But, but curiosity is often the, the key that unlocks new paths, new adventures, new journeys. And I never would have known that there was something that I actually liked that somebody told me was good, seemed disgusting, but gave it a try. And I think it's an arrogant stance to, to know it all on, on any topic, really. Um, the idea of flat earth at one time, that was the popular view, not anymore. And, and there's still some people that kind of hold to that one. Uh, we can take pictures from space of the earth, um, which, which kind of defeats some of those arguments. And while I was kind of thinking about this idea of, of this 
this belief that we know it all or that this idea of certainty or whatever, I found this article that said what was called eight surprising scientific facts that have changed since you were in grade school. And one of the ones that I'd never heard of is that there are actually five oceans. So Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic, and apparently a little while ago, they added in the Southern Ocean. And the story about why they did that is quite interesting. Another one that you might have heard of, this one I did know, is the sizes of the continents and the countries. And so most of us grew up with the Mercator world map that showed continents looking different sizes to each other. And when you actually look at a more modern day um, appreciation of it, the Peters projection, it shows relative sizes of continents. And suddenly you realize how big Africa is in particular compared to other places and that actually there was quite a political agenda in terms of how the early maps were drawn up. But but that was the fact. We, we looked at the globe growing up. We studied it in school. To us, those were the facts. And then one day somebody said, actually, this is what's really going on. And then don't get me started on Pluto being a planet because we all know that what happened there, that we used to have Pluto as a planet. Suddenly it was downgraded to a dwarf planet, I think it was. And then another one that I read in this article that I wasn't aware of is that the Great Wall of China is apparently not the only man-made object visible from space. That was a trivial pursuit question. It was something we heard a lot of time growing up, that the only man-made object you can see from space is the Great Wall of China. Apparently, there are a lot of other things that you can see from space. And then I was reminded of this amazing show that I watch sometimes called QI, which stands for Quite Interesting. It used to be hosted by Stephen Fry. And this one series in particular was so funny because the way it works is they ask a question that has what you might think is an obvious answer. And then they have certain answers or phrases or words. And if, if the contestants say those words or phrases that are obvious but wrong, then this huge alarm goes off to let you know that you lose points and, and it's all just part of the buildup of the show. And so in, in one of the seasons, Alan Davies, one of the contestants that's on every show, gets asked, how many moons does Earth have? And he blurts out one and the siren goes off because obviously Earth doesn't – well, not obviously, but Earth apparently at that time they discovered that there was a second moon. And so Stephen Fry gives the scientific conversation about it and and that show is finished. And then the following season, literally the following season, I'm busy watching an episode and Stephen Fry asks exactly the same question. How many moons does the Earth have? And Alan Davies is quick to go like, aha, I know what you're trying to do here. And so he boldly declares two and the alarm goes off because what had happened was in between the one season and the following season, science scientists through the Hubble telescope and other, other means like that had discovered that actually the earth had a third moon. And, and so I know you're listening to this and you're thinking, sure, fake news, the earth only has one moon, but it's very interesting because I was trying to read up about it last night to try and understand it a bit better. These extra two moons are called dust moons and there's a lot of debate about like, are they really moons? Are they not moons? And the main point though is that, that curiosity leaves space for the answers to change. And for so-called facts to be updated as maybe we have more information, maybe we've got better tools and resources. We've got telescopes that can see way, way further than anything we could see from the human eye. And I actually read a headline this week as well that said that the, ba the Big Bang Theory is under question because of new things that the latest telescope has seen. 
And so go do some research on that. Something that for years and years and years has been an undisputed fact in the science world has now got a lot of scientists really nervous as they try to figure out, is that true or not? And there seems, so we talked about this arrogant stance of knowing it all, and, and there seems to be a scientific correlation between knowing it all and being a twat. And in my experience or in my encounters with people, it's not usually nice, friendly, kind, warm people who self-proclaim as experts. And I do know a lot of experts, and the experts that I know tend to be humble and curious and open to debate or wrestling. The, the, the experts that I know and look up to and respect are the ones who know a lot about a topic but are also open to this idea that I could be wrong. There, there, there might be another way of viewing this and are open to listening to different perspectives and, and having even strong mindsets challenged and don't have the defensiveness of what happens if I hear this opposing idea. It's not going to make me wobble or if I need to change my mind on something because I have more information, then I change my mind on something. And yet many of us grow up holding so tightly to the things that we think are facts, the things we've always known, this idea that strawberries are evil, and then one day realizing, oh, I don't even know where that thought came from. Like, where, where did I come up with it? What, what is shaping the thoughts that I have? What, what is the cause of all these facts that I think are indisputable? And, and we really need to get to a space where even the things that we strongly believe in, that we have the openness that, that those ideas can be challenged. If we find better information that suggests things are different, then, then we have to change our stance on things. So let's, let's go back to some of the topics I suggested might be deeply affected if we approach them with greater curiosity. Things like race, religion, politics, gender, so with race, for example, if, if you have lived segregated or separated lives, as many people have, then you tend to lean into what you've heard or been taught because you're not experiencing it firsthand, right? And often this takes the form of prejudice. All black people are, all Indian people are, all Jews are, and, and fill in the sentence, depending on what you've heard what you've seen, but, but not things that you've maybe experienced. And with curiosity, you simply move the definitive verb statement to the beginning of the sentence. So all black people are becomes are all black people. And how do I answer that except by connecting with it, by getting to know some black people and then learning for myself, like being in relationship with people that don't look like me and, and starting to, to really interrogate some of the things that I might have grown up believing or some of the things that might have been fed to me, maybe things my community believes. And then we start to ask questions. And questions is maybe the mechanic of curiosity, just asking better questions, taking time instead of making definitive statements, trying to figure it out. What's going on here? What is this? Tell me more about this. And in fact, relationships might be the best key to unlock curiosity. I think of the thing with gay people. If you've grown up and you've never known any gay people, then all of your kind of understanding and relationship to and prejudice about gay people will be informed by your community, whether it's your family or your religion or the spaces you hang out in. And the best way to, to understand or kind of make yourself familiar with gay people is to get to know some gay people. And the same with trans people. So that has been a more recent conversation. When I was growing up, 
20, 30, 40 years ago, it, there was this idea of just, of just being two genders. And now, and now that whole notion has, has been thrown into question. And it's easy to just hold firm to the way things were in the past and be like, no, no, I'm just believing in that. That's the way it was. But, but we can also look at something which, which to somebody who's been around as long as I am is a little bit confusing or is a little bit different to what I've always known. And instead of, instead of kind of firmly putting my heels in the sand, I can start to ask questions. What, tell me more. Let me, let me try and understand this. Let me, let me know what your thinking is, what your experience is. And for the longest time, I didn't know any trans people. And so I was being informed by things that I read or by research that I did or by the prejudices of people around me. And in the last maybe year or two, there's a number of trans people on, on, on the Twitterer that I am friends with and connected to. And there's still a lot of learning that I have to do and a lot of understanding, but at least I'm in connection. I'm in relationship and, and people are generously putting themselves in my space and, and allowing me to, to try kind of understand things that I never understood before. And, and so it's this whole thing of relationship, which is, is the key to unlocking kind of the secrets that curiosity will take us to. Another, another thing is, is place. So Lavender Hill, I've been working with, with a high school in Lavender Hill. And Lavender Hill, if you say that name outside of Lavender Hill, then it will typically be associated with certain things. And a lot of those things, the majority of those things will be negative things, things that have been in the newspapers or just kind of the general story of, oh, Lavender Hill is this place where that stuff happens, where those kind of people live and all that. And, and the best, way to kind of unpack that prejudice is by regularly going into Lavender Hill. So I'm working with the high school. I'm in relationship with Fuad Villion, who's the principal there. And through a program called Partners for Possibility, it linked me up with Fuad. And we've been working this journey. And I remember Fuad early on going, aren't you scared to come into Lavender Hill? Or isn't it a big deal to come into Lavender Hill? And I guess because of my history of of going into different places and through various kind of NGOs that I've worked with and having a regular kind of being in those spaces, like it wasn't a big deal for me at all. And yet for a lot of people, just the idea of going into that space is daunting. But because I've been in and because I know people that live there and especially kind of this working relationship with the school, how can I not go in there where that's where, where you live or your community lives and that's where you're going every day? Like, like what is it that, that I have that, that must keep me out of it? And, and I know maybe, maybe in some areas that's, that's not the most helpful kind of opinion to have. There, there probably are dangerous areas that we've got to be very careful to go into. But it is about that relationship thing again. I was in Kailicha the other day. And again, there are probably a lot of probably particularly white people that, that might be too scared to go to Kailicha. But I found a lot of different reasons to connect there. And more recently, I was there with Heartlines that I work with. We were talking about the Fathers Matter project. And we met with 30 to 40 pastors who are just so excited about this notion of, of a program that is, is hopefully going to help equip them to work with fathers in the community. And when you sit in a meeting and you see people getting excited about that and you see people having great ideas, better ideas than you have coming into their community about how it's going to work in their community and the best way to run it out and things like that, then it's, it becomes a lot harder to fear Kailicha. And so how do we find ways of connecting with people that live in places we might be scared of and going into those places? Like where is the curiosity? Because all people that live in Lavender Hill are not 
the kind of stereotypes that we have associated. There are families there. There are children there. There are people just trying to survive, just trying to do their best, um, just trying to thrive in life that are facing a lot more obstacles than people that maybe live where I live face. And so curiosity will allow us to step towards other people and hopefully start to understand those places. When I lived in Stellenbosch, um, just before I got married, I moved into a township called Kayamundi. And the first night, I ended up staying there for 18 months. The first night that I was there, my laptop was stolen from my house. And I was so bummed, not because my laptop was stolen, but because of the narrative of what that means. Because it gave people outside like this opportunity to go, aha, look at that. Um, A week later, in Pinelands, my hockey stick was stolen out of my car. And then sometime later in, in Stellenbosch, in town, I lost another laptop. And maybe we're learning more about me and laptops than, than safety in this case. But, but, but the truth is that these things are happening all around. And so I lived in Kaimundi for 18 months, and that was the only incident that happened there. And so what if I'd stopped being curious after day one? What if I had my laptop stolen and I was like, ah, that's what it is. That's what this place is. Let me get out of here. And then literally 18 months where I didn't get things stolen and I wasn't robbed or attacked or anything like that. And there was an opportunity to, to build relationships and to meet people and to slowly understand a little bit of what was going on in that community. And so where will curiosity take us? And can you see now, just as we're talking, how big this topic is, how significant this is as an episode one topic, because this is huge. This unlocks so many things and the potential for us just to become better human beings together, to explore and build and create. And often we've just believed the stuff we've been told, right? So you hear us saying the early bird catches the worm. So therefore, it's important to be early, right? We, we got fed it, we believe it, we teach it to others as truth, but we don't take a moment to ask questions. And one of those questions might be, how good was it for the worm to be early? Right? The early bird catches the worm. Really good for the bird to be early. Not so good for the worm to be early. And so what do we do with the information we fed? We, 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 we say it. We quote it. Often we don't think about it. If you're in church spaces, you might quote Bible verses and you don't think about the truth of it or the context of it. Or we might say things our family have said or hold to strongly held beliefs but not questioning it, not being curious, not thinking, I wonder if there's a different perspective on this. I wonder if looking at this from a different direction might change things. So another example for for many people, the black person who comes to clean my house is 30 minutes late repeatedly and and I might be upset. Oh, why can't you be on time is is the easy response. Oh, oh, you live where? Oh, you take how many forms of transport to be able to be here? Oh, your nine-year-old has to look after your three-year-old so that you can make it to my house to clean my house? And, and suddenly, if we start asking the right questions, we realize that it's, it's not about a person arriving late to clean my house. That's very different from me arriving late to a meeting because my whole context is completely different. What understanding might curiosity open up in all the different areas of your life? 
If you think of this whole thing about like in the last three years with the pandemic, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers, what a polarized conversation, right? Dismiss them outright, mute, unfollow, block, depending which side you are on. The other side are like evil, evil, the worst, mor- morons, idiots, whatever it is. And I recently found out that, that one of my colleagues is on the opposite spectrum to what I believe in that case. And this is somebody that I really respect and admire in every other way. I think this person's an amazing person. And then I discovered that they were anti-vaccine. And so initially, what was in me was, oh, I need to dismiss this person. Like, how can they be that? But, but all the information that I had about them from every other aspect of their life, from how we've worked together, from how amazing they are at their job, from how passionate they are about the programs we're rolling out, it kind of led to this kind of contradictory stuff. I can't dismiss this person. They hold one belief that I think is strongly problematic. But everything else about them, there's so much good stuff here. And so what would be more valuable for me would be to have a conversation. How did you arrive at that point? Share some of your story with me. Like everybody, I think especially, well, maybe not everybody, but with those kind of things, a lot of people have a story about how they arrived at that point. They didn't just wake up in the morning and decide I'm pro-vax, I'm anti-vax. And so if we take the time to be curious instead of just pushing people away because they have a very different belief from us, then, then we're likely to miss out. What understanding might curiosity open up? What, what am I missing? Maybe versus the question we normally ask, which is what are they missing? And so there's a number of other things that come up with this topic, things like defensiveness. Like why, why do we get so defensive when somebody questions a belief that we hold? If the belief is right, then we shouldn't be being defensive. We, we should be okay with it. Somebody thinking it's not what we believe is not going to topple us. And defensiveness often means we refuse that other person the ability, if they are wrong in their thinking, to come to right thinking. And so we need to question, why do we get defensive? Is it because we aren't so secure in our beliefs that we hold? Is it because what if the thing that I hold on and believe is wrong? Like, is that going to topple everything in me? Or am I big enough to go, if the thing I've been in believing in is wrong, then I'm going to start believing something else. Exploration is another thing that curiosity leads us to. Invitation, learning. And then storytelling. I remember a workshop I did with my friend Megan a couple of years ago where we were in town and we were working with a group of people from streetscapes who used to be homeless people that were now tending different gardens around town. And we had a meeting that we were facilitating some storytelling in with one of their main funders. And so we do the planning with the streetscapes team. And on the day we arrive and this big group, I think there was something like 60 people arrived from a plastic surgery business. And so what a what a what a mixed group of people to put in the room together. You've got some formerly homeless people that are doing gardening and you've got some plastic surgery people. And it created the most amazing space for storytelling. So we had people in small groups, mixed up the groups and just created with some tools and resources, got them telling their stories with each other. And afterwards, we had a time of reflection. And the one thing that I remember actually happened within the company. So it was a woman who was kind of CEO, manager, like quite high-level woman. And then the lady who used to serve them tea. So tea lady fe- feels a bit like a derogatory statement. I'm not sure what the term would be, but, but the, 
the server, like she would serve them tea, maybe clean up as well. And how they had worked in the same company for 20 years. And so you have this understanding. If you've been in, in a place with someone for 20, 20 years, you probably you probably know them. And yet they, they hadn't. They'd never had a moment of, of sitting in a group together with three other people and just being able to share their stories and realizing the resonance that happened. They both had children and there was kind of some story that, that was very similar. And it's like, wow, the connections you find when you create, when you create moments for people to get curious. And so storytelling is a place where curiosity plays out really well. Curiosity opens doors to greater possibility, to increased understanding, to possible collaboration. So at the moment, I mentioned Fathers Matter. We are working specifically through churches. And we are inviting churches in different areas to partner with us and partner with each other on something that they easily agree on. And if you know anything about churches, different churches really disagree about a lot of things. But now we're talking about fathers and it's like there probably will be some points of disagreement. But most people in the country are aware that South Africa has a fatherhood problem. And so that feels like something that two churches that think really differently from each other can collaborate on. And the hope is that if they collaborate around something that's a common goal, a common understanding, a common vision and value, that maybe some of the other stuff that has kept them apart for so long won't seem so big once they've worked together and they've discovered relationship. They've discovered that these are other people that really care deeply for our community. And so the hope is that by creating a space where curiosity can be thrown in there, that there might be some long-term collaborations that happen afterwards. Curiosity is the what might be. What might our world start to look like? How might we grow and change and learn if we committed to being more curious about people, about things, about systems, about stories? The mind that opens to a new idea never returns to its original size. Now, 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 let me take this. This blew my mind last night. I hope it's going to blow your mind. What if the cat is still alive? It never actually physically died. It got curious and the curiosity led to growth and change and a new way of living until one day the old original cat was no longer around. And so curiosity in one sense killed the old defensive, closed-minded, bigoted, short-sighted cat, but in its place was an imagining, dreaming, creating, building, growing, learning, whole new cat. And so curiosity killed the cat, but the cat was more alive than it had ever been. Blessed are the curious, for they shall have adventures. Go and be curious. And one way that you can do that or one way you can help other people to be curious is by making sure that you share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and like us, write reviews. But let's continue having these conversations. And the things you've heard as you've been listening, take them to the dinner table. Chat with your colleagues. Like let's have a conversation this week or conversations this week about curiosity 
and the adventures we might find ourselves on there. 